I will try and interrupt you if you make it difficult to edit. Because I find that amusing. Now, you see how I timed that? Okay. Just she was taking a drink. You know, I do have controls and I can put you on mute. Can we find our way out of this uh, maze of rabbit trails? Embrace the rabbit trail. So, I'm sorry my that my interview has put your butt to sleep. <laughs> You're listening to the Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards podcast, featuring interviews with your favorite speculative fiction authors. We'll be discussing their books, their fandoms, and their writing processes. So sit back and enjoy another exciting episode with your hosts, Aaron, Josh, and Liberty. Welcome back to Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards. I'm your host, Liberty Spidell, and this is episode 26 of the podcast. Tonight, we have a special treat in store for you because we actually had a guest cancel on us when we were set to record this, and Aaron and Josh and I decided that we still wanted to hang out and have some fun, so we threw the questions out to you guys, our listeners, and asked what you guys wanted us to talk about. And this show is the result. The topic primarily at hand is our writing life and how we balance our families with our writing and all that goes into both of those worlds for us. Um, All three of us are parents. Uh, Between the three of us, we have eight children, um... So, uh, we, we know it, that writing with a family can be hectic. So it's an area we all have some expertise on and we get into that and just kind of how our writing affects our life, how our life affects our writing, how we balance the time and all of that. To start things off, Josh and Aaron have some helpful marriage advice, some of it from the Red Green Show, which... If you've never seen The Red Green Show, it's a Canadian show that has been on PBS for years, and I'm not sure if it's still airing. I haven't seen it in a while, but it is really hilarious, and um, you you should go see if you can find it on Netflix. I'm not sure where it is. Netflix, YouTube, Amazon, something. I'm sure you can get it somewhere. Um, So we... uh, took listener questions during the episode and someone asked us how long it takes for us to write our first drafts. Uh, I ended up taking over the show just a little bit, so I apologize for that, but I had a lot to say on the topic. Uh, We do also talk at length about editing. Um, We probably need to do an editing-focused episode, and we are in discussions with a few uh, freelance editors to come on and do a roundtable. So if you have any questions for any editors that we might have on in a future episode, be sure to send those to us. And you can always email us at lasersdragonskeyboards at uh, gmail.com or you can send us a private message on um, Facebook. So we will be glad to take your questions for that. Uh, Some of our favorite resources come up. We discuss fight scenes. We also take uh, cover some quirky questions that we ask our guests. Uh, And we also have a question. Aaron pops it up at the very last minute. And uh, we discuss what books we would like to see turned into movies and or TV shows. So that's a lively discussion. 
that's uh, pretty much what we've got going on in the show. Just wanted to remind you that until the end of June, Aaron is doing a giveaway of his book, uh, A New Threat, on Goodreads. So go over to Goodreads and register to win a copy of Aaron's book, A New Threat. And just go search for his name in the giveaways. Aaron is A-A-R-O-N. Demont is D-E-M-O-T-T. So go get registered. Give him lots of love on uh, giving his book away. Um, sometime, and I'm not completely sure if this will be live by the time that I uh, get the episode up for the month or just for the podcast, um, I am going to be doing a giveaway through Story Cartel of my box set, uh, the Darby Shaw Chronicles. Um, I haven't finalized all those details as I'm recording this on June 2nd, but hopefully by the time this episode airs, it will be up and there will be links in our show notes and, um, probably on our Facebook page and Twitter page, um, on how you can enter that. But if you're not familiar with Story Cartel, basically for our authors in um, our audience, it is a place where you can go to promote your book. And basically you give your book away for free for a period of two weeks. And then your readers have a, that time to read the book and put a review up on, I believe, primarily Amazon, might be some of the other platforms as well, to, um, and once they have verified that they, that they have left a review, they are eligible to win a, um, Kindle or some other device through Story Cartel. There's a little bit of a fee for you, the author, um, but it is well worth it from what I can tell. And our previous guest K.M. Wyland actually recommended this to me and it seems like a worthwhile venture and it's not terribly costly unlike such as a a bookbub ad so um so be sure to pay attention to our Facebook page our website for details on that and I will also link to Aaron's giveaway in our show notes on our website as well So I think that's about all we've got. And this is a really long introduction I'm noticing as I am recording this. So I apologize for that. And without further ado, here's our show. Welcome to Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards. I'm Liberty Spido. I'm I'm Josh. (laughs) And I am Aaron. That ought to confuse people. Yeah, really. Tonight on the show, we have a departure from our norm. We are going to kind of just hang out and talk about some stuff that is writing related. Because it's fun. Nobody canceled on us or anything. (laughs) Um, We are going to talk a little bit about balancing our writing with our normal lives. All three of us are homeschool parents, and um, we have just all kinds of other stuff going on in our lives, some normal, some not so normal, and it's interesting how all of us manage to find time to write our novels. So that's what we're going to spend some time talking about tonight. 
So, Except for me, on. to the surprise of no one, I'm going to do my darndest to get us off topic as soon as possible. I, I was going to say, isn't this the uh, in, uh, the national uh, biannual meeting of time travelers? <laughs> I thought that was yesterday and or tomorrow. Oh, that's right. It's next week. And right now. Yes. A Time Lord party never stops because it's not constrained by the normal constructs. <laughs> or something like that. I think that's how it goes. Um, ain't no party like a Time Lord party because a Time Lord party is not constrained by the normal uh, temporal constructs. Something like that. Have you guys seen that uh, post on Facebook? It's a picture of a full yes. a TARDIS, and a DeLorean. Worked outside of a building and it's labeled annual time travelers meeting. Yes. Yes. That's something awesome. to that I'm not so sure. I haven't posted that one to the page before. For Facebook. Yeah. So. <clears throat> so we'll have to we, hunt it up and do that then. Yes. You guys have so, seen Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, right? Of course. I haven't. I haven't seen that. You one. haven't. You need to. <laughs> Wild Stallions! (laughs) Um, So, on a couple of places uh, throughout the grand old internet, we put uh, questions that you, uh, dear listeners, would like to hear, and one of them was, um, how do we balance uh, writing and family and whatnot? Um, So... I nominate Aaron. Another one of them actually was about not that far off track. (laughs) (laughs) So so why don't we share a little bit about what our normal lives look like outside of writing so people can kind of get a sneak peek behind the scenes. So, Aaron, why don't you go ahead? (laughs) Uh, Mine can be summed up as, ah! I I have four kids. Two part-time jobs. Let's see. What did I say? Five fish, one cat, six, six chickens, and dog sitting too. Well, there you go. So all of those really could be full jobs, and you know, mm-hmm. it's all kinds of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, speaking of one of the part-time jobs, just yesterday we sent out a uh, lawnmower, rim, and wheel. To Ben Wolf. Now I don't know if it's the Ben Wolf or not, and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure it's not. But I'm going to ask him about that, though. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool if you were sending him stuff. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not him because Dory talked to to the customer on the phone. She goes, "I don't know. He didn't sound familiar." But I mean, how many Ben Wolves can there actually be out there? You know? Yeah. <laughs> True. They're multiplying. Ah! Well, for me, um, my life is kind of crazy. I am a wife and a mom to two kids, and uh, I homeschool. And I uh, went through a bone marrow transplant with my son, who is almost six, um, three years ago now. So. How about that one? No, it was not the definition of fun. I spent five and a half months in a different city, so without Ugh. anybody with me. So, um, 
<clears throat> my life is filled with doctor's appointments uh, still to this day just because he has a rare disease that we have to follow. So like our first guest, yeah. Lindsay Franklin, um, I'm very intimate with doctors and all of that and have several doctors and nurses on speed dial on my cell phone. With. So, um, in fact, I've joked with the guys uh, before that uh, frequently when I'm editing our podcast, I'm sitting in lobbies for doctor's appointments. So, um, I wouldn't necessarily say my life is normal. Um, it's my normal, but I managed to get writing done in the midst of everything. So, Josh? Oh, wait. Mm -hmm. I'm here. Um, so, a typical week uh, for me looks like... Um, um, I have a part-time job. Um, retail job and I'm dealing with various medical issues that we're not quite sure what's going on. Um, the tests are all coming back that I'm a mutant of some variety, but... Oh, these are worthless kind. <laughs> <laughs> More like Dazzler and less like, uh, or, or Jubilee. Not sure yet, huh? Yes. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, I have a part-time job, uh, medical stuff, um, and then two children that were just now learning how to, um, homeschool with them. Um, mm -hmm. so there's been a lot of research going on and a lot of materials that we bought and are going through. Um, this message, supported by uh, sh the Charlotte Mason homeschooling method. Oh my! <laughs> um, nah. um, so yeah, I'm obviously I'm also married, and being a hubby takes up a good chunk of my time as well. Mm -hmm. So, so how does yeah, that you spend relate? a lot of time as husband apologizing? <laughs> Yes. Um, Josh is laughing because it's true. <laughs> it is. Now, most of the time, to be fair, we don't know what we're apologizing for, but we're we're sorry for whatever it was. <laughs> didn't mean to upset you. What did I do? Exactly. It I really, I really would feel sorry for it if I do what it was. Yeah, you know, half the time or more, it's okay. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Um, now, can you please tell me why I'm sorry? <laughs> you got to be careful with that one, though. That can backfire. Yes. yes. You should know what I what you're sorry for. And I think we've broken liberty early tonight. Have anybody, any of you seen the Red Green Show? Oh, I love have the, Red Green, seen the Red Green Show. I love it. Yeah, the men's I've prayer. I'm a man, but I can change if I have to. Yep. I guess. <laughs> but, yep. Yeah. That's, yeah. Oh, I, 
I, I also spend time managing the tool booth. If any of our listeners have heard like weird roarings, it's because I live next to a really busy street. So I manage the tool booth. It doesn't pay well, though. <laughs> By a busy street, he means he has his RV parked in the median of I-75. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Just It just sounds that way from time to time. Yes. Um, okay, so when does everybody t- find time to write? <laughs> Do you have a dedicated time? I'm a night owl, so I tend to write between about 9.30 p.m. and about 3.30 a.m., somewhere in there, sometimes for that whole time, sometimes for just, like, 20 minutes of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's usually, if I can get around to writing, that's usually when I get it done, too. Um, I'm really bad about being consistent. And that's one of the things that I need to work on the biggest. I'll go like during nano arrival, or if I've got an idea that's just bursting things, it has to get out. Yeah, I can write for hours, and then it's about the time frame I would write to. Mm-hmm. Or then there's times when life gets in the way, and I would say, I gotta get this done, and 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 this done. Oh, wait, that's 10 hours worth of work, worth of work. I've got two hours, and I really should get some sleep, and yeah, not a lot of get, not a lot gets done those times. Right. Mm-hmm. Like right now, I've got, uh, writing-wise, I have one story that I'm working on that the first draft is done, but I need to add a lot of stuff here and there and whatnot. I've figured out I need to change the ending a little bit. I need to add a couple of scenes here and there, and I'm one of the kind of people, typically with writers, you'll find people who are first draft people, they love to do the first drafts and hate editing, or you'll find the opposite, people love editing and can't stand the first drafts. I'm a first draft person. I, oh, yay, story, happy, fun, 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 type, 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 and it's like editing. <laughs> it feels like slogging through the muck and like you gotta draw out the words like alright where is this going I hate the whole process but I love what happens to the story when I'm done with it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and that's where I'm at on that story right now is it's like pulling teeth for me it's like I have to sit down I have to do this but I really don't enjoy the process of editing mm-hmm. and then I've got another story that I've got that's actually a sequel to my book that's out right now and the uh, first draft of that is done that one needs a lot of work, though. I'm really happy with the core story and the main characters. I am not at all happy with the way the villain's written or his story arc. It's awfully generic right now, and I have to... Oh, i got to do a lot with that. I've come up with a couple of good ideas about how I want to do that. i just got to find the time to do it now. And again, that's kind of an editing thing, because I either have to rewrite the entire thing, which is a lot of work and not very fun, because I've not got bits of it the way they want it. Or I'm going to go down through, find every scene of the villain, hack those out, rewrite just those scenes, and then try and place them back in so it feels continuous. And that's a lot of work, too. And I've got a third story I'm working on, and it's kind of uh, it's set in the same universe, per se, but on a different planet as the first story I was talking about. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a... Uh, 
college superhero type story. Yeah, okay. Teen college superhero type story. But it ties in with the first story in a, I, well, what I would like to say a surprising way. But mm-hmm. that's one, that one's kind of fun because that was in the first draft stage. I'm not really the first mm-hmm. one on that one yet. Yeah, I love the so first So that's enough writing work to keep me busy full time just with those three stories. Then I've also then got the day job else. that's, you know, most of the week. And the other part-time day job that could eat up all my at-home time alone. And the kids need this. Yeah. work with. Well, we really need to clean it around here. Oh. <laughs> laundry yeah. needs to be done. I should help out with that, too. We got... I don't know if I mentioned this before we started recording, but my wife has wanted chickens since we first got married. And we're finding a spot now where we actually have somewhere to put them and maybe don't have to move for a while at least. So uh-huh. we're working on building a chicken coop and a chicken run to put them in, and that's taking up a lot of time right now. But we, we actually have the six chickens, and in a couple of weeks they're going to have to go outside because they'll too big, be too big to stay inside. So that's eating up pretty much all the spare time at the moment. <laughs> And it's on yeah. and on like that. And I'm one of, I have a whole bunch of different hobbies I like to do. And I like to do to dive really deep into hobby and consume all my time in that hobby until I get bored with it. And then I'll jump on to the next hobby and I kind of rotate through hobbies that way. I, yeah. so, I recognize that, that pattern. I've done that most of my life. <laughs> oh, good. It's not just me. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes it's Magic the Gathering, sometimes it's DVDs, sometimes it's the action figure collection, huh. this, that, the other thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I have enough interests to just keep me busy full-time in various hobbies, too. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's... So, the, the original question of balancing life is sometimes you're successful, well, sometimes you don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Um, that there are times that the writing has to go to the wayside for, you know, a few weeks or a month or whatever. There are times that the writing becomes your life. <laughs> and goes back and forth. Yeah. Yeah, for me, um, I kind of, I don't really have a set schedule. And, and it kind of drives me nuts and it kind of doesn't. Um, because I've learned how to be flexible. I've learned how to write with a dozen different distractions going on and I trained myself to do this as a teen. I I can watch a movie and write at the same time. I can have the radio on and write. I can have music with words in it like ACDC or something and I can write. And it boggles the mind of so many different authors that I've talked to because they're like, you can actually sing along with music and write at the same time. Yes, I can. Kind of Mind-boggling. Stop and think about it. But I just, for me, I just grab whatever time I have to do Mm -hmm. my writing, to do my editing. If that's an hour in the morning while the kids are watching PBS before we get rocking for our homeschool day, that's when I write. If it's I don't get anything done for a week and I get to go spend two hours at the library on a Friday, because that's my husband works um, an, an odd schedule, so I can usually do that, um, you know, that's what happens. So I just have learned to snag whatever time that is. And sometimes I'm just too tired at, you know, 10 o'clock at night to start writing. But that's when I used to write a lot was, you know, mm. after 9 o'clock. I would, you know, 
I'm with you, Josh. I used to rock the nine to midnight shift, nine to one o'clock in the morning shift with writing. And probably one of my longest writing sessions went until like two thirty in the morning one time, and I wrote for like six hours straight. Wow. But um, you, you just when your life is crazy, you have to snag whatever time you have. So, and if that's ten minutes, great. If it's an hour or two, that's great too. So. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly it. You just have to grab what you can. Mm-hmm. Um. So, um, I had a question for everybody to go along with that, and I don't know where I was going. Crazy. You were going crazy. Yeah, probably. Going. Oh, come on, that ship sailed a long time ago. <laughs> You know, I, I went to visit Crazy one time. I decided to leave. It was too boring. <laughs> much too sane for me. I tried to be normal once. Worst five minutes of my life. <laughs> yes, I stole that one from Facebook. Okay. <laughs> That's okay. Facebook still does have some good stuff. Mm-hmm. So anyways, your question... I can't remember what it was going to be, so I should have written it down. Um, we'll go with a listener question then. What's the average time frame for a full-length novel? Oh my gosh, that depends entirely on how much time I have to devote to it. Yeah. Because, <clears throat> okay, let's let's take Capitulation, which was my last novel that, or anything that's even close to a novel length. It's like 60, 62,000 words or something like that. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. got the idea for it. I think I was telling somebody this like October of 2014. I started writing it around that time because that's about when I was releasing Retaliation, which was the book that's right before it. And I had it publishable by March of 2015. <clears throat> Now, the book that I'm getting ready to release right uh, now, which we don't have a title for, um, but is the direct sequel to that, was a nano novel in 2009. And um, this is the, side note, this is why I swore off doing any nano-like things, is because both times that I've done nano, I've gotten pregnant. (laughs) And... (laughs) So many comments, so little time. I know. Yes. I I ended up getting pregnant with my son um, when I was writing the nano version of the book that I'm working on releasing right now. And so I did the 55,000 words in November of 2009. It sat on my shelf for four years until my son's transplant, and I started looking at it going, hmm. I think I could turn this into a series. And I started fiddling with it, wrote some, then decided, oh, I'm going to go about this a whole different way and wrote the prequels, which are, you know, what I've got out right now, my emergence, retaliation, and capitulation. And after that was done, I started going back to the book. And I just finished writing the book, the, the redrafted version, I guess, I think it was right before Christmas. So that book took me like 18 months to do. 
because I had to stop and put it down um, and go work on the prequels because I needed to know what happened in the prequels before I could actually write that book. So, yeah. And unfortunately, it got to the point where I was writing it on the train going out to Realm Makers and back, and I was sitting here going, how much longer is this book going to be? And I think I was like at like 140,000 words right then and ended up at 170, and I turned it down to 150 before I sent it to my beta readers. <laughs> so you never can tell uh, how long it's going to take to do a draft, at least for yeah. me. My... Uh so I'm working on my first novel right now, and I originally got the seeds of like this idea back in August of 2014. Um, I, actually, I, I need to go further back because a couple of the character concepts go back to when I was playing a mud, um, which is an old school text-based. Uh, video game, so it, many years ago, but I've carried those character concepts with me for a while, um, and the seeds for the novel, I was going to set in an already established um, property, um, and I was talking with uh, one of the authors published in that property, and they're like, just so you know, they're not accepting so I had to rework my my nascent idea there, and I started writing, like actually writing, um, in uh, November of 2014, or yeah, 2014, um, and it's continued through now, and I'll probably be done with the rough draft and the first edit by uh, the end of summer. Um, so for me, it's going to be about a two-year project before, mm -hmm. before I'm ready to uh, send to beta readers. Um, mm -hmm. And interestingly enough, um, it, it's wrapped up sooner than I thought because that's one of the dangers of being a, a pantser is I wrote my ending already. <laughs> so I have to go back and add more. Um, so about you know, two years from yeah. I've done that many times where I have to I just don't know go right. I, I what happens with what has happened with me, it doesn't happen so much anymore because I'm outlining a little bit better. I would get the scene stuck in my head that would end up being the climax scene. And I'd have to go write it because otherwise it was not gonna leave me alone. It was not gonna shut up in my head. So I completely understand where you're coming from on that one, Josh. Mm-hmm. Does that sound familiar? You just wouldn't shut yeah. up? Yeah. I, well, uh, yes and no, because I saw where it was heading, but mm -hmm. I didn't think it was going to be at the end. It, like, okay, this scene that ended up being the end scene, that was stuck in my head, and it's like, this has to come out. This has to come out. But then I, I wrote it, and it's like, this has to be the end. Th this makes sense for the way the story's progressed. Mm -hmm. So, yes and no. Okay. Um, How about you, Josh, or Aaron? <laughs> no, remember, he's Josh tonight. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I always feel uh, 
I, I don't know quite how to say it. Uh, I was like, wow, now these people write so fast. My first book, A New Threat, uh, from beginning to end, took about eight or nine years. Oh, wow. Because that was working on the first draft. But of course, that, that was my first novel. And in between scenes and all this, I'm working and all this other stuff. That one, I... On the first draft, I was pretty good about writing oh, 600 to 1,000 words or so a night. Mm-hmm. However, I, I was researching a lot of stuff about writing and craft stuff in between there, too. So editing took a lot. I think I had, what, 16 editing passes on that one before I was done. Holy cow! Wow. Yeah. Holy cow. Because it was one of those, like that first novel, there's a whole bunch of the, uh, oh, wow, that's really amateurish after reading stuff like self-editing for fiction writers, taking a couple of classes, mm-hmm. and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Oh, i got to rework that whole thing. And then, of course, you send to the editor, and they don't like this, this, and this. Okay, so the editor did How does it look now? And yeah. then uh, one of the things is when I first wrote it, in the very ending scene of the novel, uh, I don't know if I want to do any spoilers for this if anybody's read it or not, but anyway, the bad guy was captured kind of off camera. Mm-hmm. And by kind of one of the new people in the novel who kind of joined the party halfway through instead of one of the new characters. And uh, Cassie Carroll actually pointed that out to me. So she gets a character named after her in book two. <laughs> Which I don't know if that's a punishment or a reward. <laughs> well then. Well, I had to rework the entire. I had to rework the ending, and it's way better after I did that. And kind of a couple other things, like people point out. Did you mean that? Like, oh, oh no, I didn't. I totally missed that. <laughs> you, you guys are probably familiar with the whole. Mm-hmm. That's not what I. That, that's not what I meant. Mhm. Mhm. Yep. Because when you're writing something, you 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 know what it's supposed to say, but not what it actually says. The typos mm-hmm. are really hard to catch that way and stuff. Mm-hmm. One of uh... yeah, the first one took about eight years. The second, I wrote the sequel to that, uh, which is tentatively titled "Threat from the Past." I don't know if that title will hold up or not or whatnot. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But that one I wrote as a nano project in a month. Oh wow! For fifty thousand word first. Uh-huh. So that yeah, that, okay. that kind of burned through pretty quick. Um, yeah. The one that I'm that I'm working that I'm working on editing right now, tentatively titled "Wings of Truth," is that one. It took uh, about two years to write the first draft on that one. Uh-huh. Instead, I'm editing it now to fix a couple of different things. So kind of going on, uh-huh. and then. Uh, the other one, the superhero story, or kind of a superhero story, I should say. That one I started kind of halfway between some of these other different projects. I got about roughly 6,000 words on that one done because the idea wouldn't leave me alone and I had to write it down. Uh-huh. And then it kind of sat on the back burner for a year or two. Uh-huh. And then in 2015, you know, I got an additional mm, 40, 50,000 words done on that. But that one's not done. The first draft didn't, isn't done on that yet. 
So after Nano, that got shifted back to the back burner, and then back to the other project trying to work that out. So I'm kind of juggling all these up and down here and there. Yeah. So after learning, you know, after learning a lot with my first book, the first draft process is sped up a lot. Uh-huh. Editing mm-hmm. for me still takes forever. It's something I need to, like I said, my biggest problem is consistency. I need to work, sit down and work a little bit on it in some sort of a set schedule. Right. Mm-hmm. And I have to learn how either I either have to improve my editing skills or learn to like it a little bit or something, and that would help uh-huh. a lot too. Right. I can understand that. So mm-hmm. I I don't enjoy editing. It's a completely different mindset, and I I get a little bit of a high off yeah. of writing, but when I finish yeah, it's editing, it's fun. It's like a new story. Yeah. Um, when I finish editing, like I just finished an editing pass on my, my last real editing pass before my next book goes, went out to baby readers last week. I felt for two days, like I was decompressing. Like I was this spring that had just clamped down so far that it had kind of gotten stuck into that position. And over the next two, three days, I was slowly kind of unwinding because I was just so focused on I need to do this, I need to do that, I need to do this. Mm-hmm. Oh wait, I think mm-hmm. I need to add a scene right at the end, which kind of explaining a couple of things. And you know, I was just so so focused on on editing that it was just impossible to do anything else. I mean, I couldn't think about anything else. So. I mean, my house was a wreck <laughs> by the time I finished this editing path. <laughs> so, so just a word of warning: anybody yeah, who wants I, to come I visit really me, hate the yeah, anybody who wants to come visit me, do not do it when I'm either nearing the end of writing a book or editing a book, because my house will not be presentable. Challenge accepted. <laughs> I was just going to say something to that effect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the end result of the edit of all the editing pain is worth it. You know, mm-hmm. it, it really makes the book you know readable, in my opinion. Right, right. Yeah. Sean, I uh, really like the what first, Sean... the first part for me is a lot like. Sorry, who's going to talk here? <laughs> I, you, I, I, I was just going to share something real short. So I really like about... what Sean Platt from the Self Publishing Podcast says about the editing process. And this, I have no idea what episode this came out of, and they've got like over 200 episodes, but that's really not the point. Um, Sean Platt says that this is his drafting process. The first draft, you say it. The second draft, you say what you mean. And in the third draft, you say it well. And for me, that's be- there's a lot of truth in that. You can really do the editing process well if you kind of follow that three-step um, process. And I've been really working, at least on my own process, to get it down to a three-phase, um, mm-hmm. I guess, yeah. process. I don't want to say process again, but that's the only word I can think of. So, so Aaron, what were you yep. going to say? Oh, he I was, was just going to say, writing in the first draft is clean. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how uh, my brother and I used to play as we were kids, kind of, sort of. 
So first draft for me was it's a lot of fun. I get to play with characters and worlds, and that's pure candy to me almost. It's and then mm-hmm. the editing is this is work. Mm-hmm. Like I've already told the story. I want to go and do something else now. Mm-hmm. It's like you exactly. know. On, on the other hand, it's like I don't really want anybody else to see this in the state it's in right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, how do you get your family to respect your writing time? <laughs> Anybody's getting ideas? I, I'd love to hear them. <laughs> the the only thing that I um I was going somewhere with that. The only thing that I can think of is that you let them know this is important to me. Um, like for uh, the few times that I write A, when other people are in the house or awake, and um, B, during the daytime, I'll tell my girls, um, I'm going to go work on my story for a little bit. Um, and then um, when I'm done with that, I can tell you a little bit about my story. Um, and... Yeah, that oh, wouldn't okay. work for me because of what I write. <laughs> well, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, or you know, the ideas behind my story, mm-hmm. um, or I'll t- I'll read you a book or whatever. Um, and then with with my wife, it's just you know she knows that this is an important thing for me, um, and she respects that. That you know, there's that mutual ebb and flow, give and take thing. Mm-hmm. Well, my, I usually write after the kids are in bed, so that isn't usually a problem. Mm-hmm. But uh, what is a problem is there's always some sort of little emergency that comes along. And, and the process of imagineering like that, I like to use the analogy of it. It's like a building or house of cards. All right, I'm kind of sitting there at the keyboard, staring off into space. Oh, He's not doing anything, and I can go to about this thing. But really, we need to get done, like you know, the washing machine is flooding. We need to get you know. So it really is. It's mm-hmm. not like my writing time is being just or something. It's like oh, you know, this thing really needs to happen right now, and you're not doing anything right now. It's like, but I am. Because mm-hmm. I'm staring off into space and thinking, all right, this is going to happen in this and in this order, and you know, kind of building the house of cards and the interruption. It's like pulling a card up in the middle, the whole thing collapses. Mm-hmm. And once the emergency is dealt with, it's like, all right, that was a really cool idea. I really liked how it happened. How did that go again? <laughs> yep. no idea. That idea is gone and it is not coming back. Who? Mm-hmm. That really worked. I should have wrote that down quick while I had it. Yeah, well, I, I think. You can try and force it, but try to force the ideas, it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. I think I've seen a meme uh, that that said something to the effect of, I'm a writer. I am working when I'm staring off into space. Mm-hmm. I've seen the same meme go around. Yep. And it's so true. Um, it, I've gotten into a habit mm-hmm. during the daytime at least, not so much at nighttime. Um, if I'm writing and my kids are up, I put my headphones on and I put music on really loud and I'm trying to train my kids that if my headphones are on I can't hear you so Mm -hmm. 
they, they'll walk up to me and they're like five feet away, and I can see their mouths moving if I'm even aware of their presence. Because sometimes I get so focused yeah. that I just most of the time no. I mean, the house could be burning down around me, and I wouldn't realize it until I came up for air again. <laughs> I hate to say it, but it's yeah. true. Where'd the house go? <laughs> but um. That's one thing that I've been trying to do with my kids is teach them, okay, when I have my headphones on, I'm working on something. It might be podcast related. It might just be you guys are being noisy and I need to Mm -hmm. have still time for a few minutes. But something's going on and I can't hear you. For my husband and me, I kind of have an unwritten rule that if he falls asleep at night, and I'm still wide awake, I can write, I can edit, I can do whatever, but I try to shut it off when he's around, unless I have been given an ex- explicit permission that I can write. doesn't always work that way, but I try to follow that rule. And then mm-hmm. yeah. one thing that we've been working on just between my husband and me and our marriage is that having time to myself at least once a week is incredibly important to me just to get away from the house, to get away from the kids. And that's when I can go to the coffee shop. That's when I can go to the library and I can do whatever. And that's when I do take my writing time a lot is I can have two, three hours just focus time. That's all I have to do. And it works. So um, you have mm-hmm. to kind of set those boundaries on and say, hey, you know, yeah, I may not be making much money at being a writer right now, but I'm not going to make any more at it. If that is your goal, I mean, some people don't have that goal in in their career. Um, I'm not going to make anything at it if I can't get another book out. If I can't finish this book, there's nothing that's going to get me to a point where I can support myself in my writing. And that's mm-hmm. been something that has been very important to me and to my husband is that I can help with the finances. So, you know, reminding the spouse that it's having that problem. You're not making anything off of that writing. It's just it's just a hobby. I mean, it is if you treat it like a hobby. But if you treat it like work and you are consistent with it, one day it won't mm-hmm. be a hobby anymore. One day it will be paying for itself if you do the work that you need to do. So, I mean, that's kind of where I, I mean, that was a long stream of consciousness. (laughs) So, sorry. That's okay. We allow that around here. I mean, Aaron Aaron is a sentient stream of consciousness. Let me do what you're talking about. Yeah, my problem with alone time and writing is that all starts with well and all well and good, but mm-hmm. then I need to research. It's like, okay, what exactly, you know, what what is the landing force of this spaceship? Would it actually crush this crush this structure or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, see, that's yeah, the nice thing about me going and then, to the. You know, two hours later, two hours later, I did I did not know that. You know, Pickles would involve such a process, and you know, <laughs> this has nothing to do with the story at all. How did I get here? 
where did all this time go? Oh, crap. My writing yeah. time is all gone. I got yeah. four sentences done. <laughs> See, um, the nice thing about me going to the library, and also the bad thing, is that for some reason I cannot get my um, laptop to talk to the Wi-Fi at my library. So this is great because I can get a lot of work done, but I have no tunes to listen to. Um, everything that I have available have is whatever. Loaded locally on your laptop? Well, I have it loaded on my laptop, but like if I want something different that I don't have on my laptop, it's harder. And yeah. if I have to use my phone, I have to use 3G instead of Wi-Fi because I can't, for some reason, get yeah. my computer or my phone to talk to the Wi-Fi at the library, which is oh, frustrating. No. So, um, but that's, it makes it nice because I stay on task um, a lot better when I am at the library because I don't have the, the interruptions every 15 minutes or the fighting from the kids or the laundry needing attention or the kids needing lunch or, or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. And working in Scrivener, I can just go put a little note in my general notes area and then come back to whatever question I have. Which, yeah. Um, See, I've I've tried that, and it just doesn't work for me because I'll well, uh -huh. in my story that I'm working on right now, that, I've, uh -huh. that I'm working on editing the ending and stuff on, I was I was researching whip fighting on that one for the uh -huh. final battle scene, and I'm trying to edit in. And it's like, all right, I could try to put just a placeholder thing, and it's like, but that's kind of the key thing on that. Uh -huh. How's that gonna? And it just won't leave me alone and I just can't concentrate on it. It's like, I must do it there. Yeah. And then, you know, two hours later, looking and learning all about whips and bullets and whipping instruction, and it was kind of sort of related to the story, but really <laughs> has no bearing on the actual fight scene. I, I learned that part in five minutes. Oh, I didn't know you made whips out of that. Oh, history of whips in different cultures, blah, 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 blah. Like, yeah. It's really fascinating. Oh, hey, there you go. <laughs> I need a copy of that book. Yeah, I haven't gotten Everybody's holding it. up, what is that, Writing Fight? Yeah, it's Writing Fight Scenes by Rain Hall. It's actually British, so it's kind of unique. Um, I would highly recommend the e-book. I would highly recommend the e-book of this. I have a, I have a hard copy of it, but there's a lot of links that she links to for YouTube videos, and I never remember to go and look at it. So it's kind of a distracting format in a hard copy. But I like a lot of my reference books in hard copy, so that's why I have that one. But, yeah, me um, too. Uh, what, what was the name of the author? Rain, Rain Hall. Hall. R A Y N E. Oh, Kindle's uh, only four forty nine. Yeah, uh, Cam Wyland actually recommended that one to me, and I haven't gotten through it all the way yet. Yeah, and I have to get that because yeah. I've spent so far, I think, a month on just writing this last final fight scene. Mm -hmm. Well, they have, it, she's got some really good sections on it in here. Some of them may or may not be important, but, I mean, they talk about location, they talk about different weapons, um, different types of fights, fighting with females, psychological issues, battles, siege warfare, nautical fights. I mean, there's a little bit of everything in here. So, okay. Um, I'm totally going to have to read that. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is one of the things stalling you right now. Yeah. I mean, you're going to eventually have to write a fight scene, whether or not you're writing a romance or not. So, I mean, you yeah. kind of have to have something like that on your shelf. But 
how much detail do I include here? Mm -hmm. I could narr I could narrate out every single action, but that gets boring after a while. Yeah, I found that there's exactly one author that I found that is able to narrate fight scenes, um, like with a lot of actions, well and interesting. One out of you know who knows how many. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Well, does anybody have any final thoughts on balancing writing and your regular really, life? Really quick. Yeah, really quick. What's everybody's favorite sci-fi show? We already know Liberties. <laughs> um, actually, I don't know what my favorite sci-fi show is. Well, I would I would say Doctor Who for you. You're always going on about it. I love Doctor Who, but I love everything. Um, mm -hmm. huh? Sci-fi show. You know, I'm gonna, go ahead. I would probably say, you know, my go-to if I'm, you know, not feeling good or just want something to relax with, it's not necessarily going to be Doctor Who. It's probably going to be Star Trek Voyager. Okay. It's it's kind of what got Star Trek Voyager got me through a really rough time in my life, and it's just kind of comforting. Okay. So. Sorry, the toll booth called again. <laughs> um, I'm going to say I, I don't have an answer well, for that question. <laughs> I don't have an answer for that question I, because it literally depends on the day for me. Mm -hmm. But So I, I have a group of them, but my newest to add to that list is Person of Interest. Which, it, it's, uh, what was that? That's a good show. Yeah, and it is actually science fiction. Um, people don't really understand that at first, but it is. Um, so. I mean, if you think about the concept behind it, I, mean, I haven't watched the show, but if you think about the concept behind it, um, it makes sense. So. Yeah. How about yours, Aaron? Well, it depends on what you're going to say. Favorite sci-fi, I'd be hard-pressed to choose. I like a lot of different stuff. Probably my favorite sci-fi movie series would be Star Wars. My favorite sci-fi TV series would be Star Trek. And favorite sci-fi book would be in the Carefree's Pern series. Uh -huh. And okay. I know you're all dying to know which Star Trek. I'm kind of halfway torn between the original and Next Gen for my favorite. Okay. Yeah. That's I, fair. I, 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 if you really pressed me, I could probably go with Josh's answer, and it would depend on the day. I mean, Firefly, Doctor Who. Oh, they're all good. But, There's so many good sci-fi stuff out but, right now. Yeah. yeah, I mean, Star Trek, uh, Voyager, I mean, it's kind of just, and to, to a degree, the next generation. I mean, both of them I'm attached to for sentimental reasons, so go figure. So. Yeah, I, I like Voyager, but I don't I don't have any of the sentimental attachment. When Voyager first came out, it was on a channel we only it barely got. Right. <laughs> so either either we wouldn't be able to watch it at all that week, or the weeks that it did come in, it was eighty percent static. Right. So kind of, you know, what's happening? Mm -hmm. I think that's Janeway. 
<laughs> Maybe it's a Borg. It's hard to tell. <laughs> They're staring at something on the screen, but I can't tell what it is because it's all the static. <laughs> but hey, at least we got it in like the digital TV now, where it's all you know. I like the static. I want the static back. Yeah, I, I still hear that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I, Voyager to me, it's either you either have really really good episodes or really 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 bad episodes. It's true. I think season example, five. I've mentioned the third. I've mentioned the third season episode of Voyager that I forget the name of right now. That's probably the best hours of sci-fi. But yeah, that yeah. one. With only one script writing, with only one writing error in the whole show, I really love that episode. That was probably a 9.8 out of 10. And like I said, if only they hadn't screwed up Chakotay and Kubat's <laughs> rules, it'd be a 10 out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then I, there's episodes, like um, one we were watching the other night, where the uh, Hydrogen take over the ship, convert the entire ship into one giant holodeck, and have... And mind control the people into reenacting different historical situations. It's like, all right, this year, this is a prime example of why people who go, oh, I'm not another holodeck show. <laughs> I actually love those that two episodes. Episode and it was a two-parter. They just sit there two, two hours of that. I like them. It was awful. I, I like those episodes, though. Those are fun episodes. Some yeah, of the holodeck episodes are okay, but that one, no. <laughs> I, I, I love the the time travel episodes. Um, uh, it depends on how so, they're done. So, something that uh, people will learn, including uh, for when they get to read my book, is time travel um, is, is one of my my big loves in, in speculative fiction. Um, and so the episode where Janeway keeps jumping, like the ship is splintered into multiple different timelines, mm-hmm. including futures and in the past mm-hmm. and all that. I love that particular uh, episode. I think that's in like season, late season six or season seven, isn't it? Yeah, I haven't gotten to that one. Yeah, there's another one. one It sounds a lot like the episode where Worf is jumping through alternate realities. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it's timelines, not realities. Yeah, there's one where where only Janeway and Seven of Nine are aware of the time travel, and they are, like, taken to the 29th century or something. And I don't remember much of the episode, but at the end... Um, Janeway makes some sort of comment about time travel giving her a headache, and I, I just that one always kind of stuck with me. So, or yeah, or, or, okay. yeah time travel episodes can be really good or really bad. You have you have good time travel like Back to the Future, and um, the Stargate SG One episode Window of Opportunity. Mm-hmm. I love. Episode. Oh man! You know, ones, like the next generation episode, cause and effect, mm-hmm. and then you've got some really crappy episodes where, uh, at the end of the episode, and there there are a couple of these in Voyager where at the end of the episode everything gets reset and it's like, all right, so at the end of this nothing ever happened, and there wasn't any point to this, mm-hmm. but. 
Mm-hmm. How does that even make sense? Because this couldn't have ever really happened in the first place because everything got reset, but it had to happen for all this to happen to get reset. It couldn't happen here. If you stop and think about this, the whole premise of the episode doesn't make any sense at all. <laughs> and then, so, time, time travel episodes for me are a bit of a mixed bag. It depends on how the writers decide to handle it. Mm-hmm. And the other problem is, especially in Voyager, the writing is really inconsistent that way. You'll have one tra- you'll have one writer that says, all right, time travel happens like this, chunk, 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 chunk. And you're like, all right, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then two seasons later, you'll have episode, time travel happens like this, 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 this. It's like, all right, that makes sense, but it doesn't, mm-hmm. it, it, it can't possibly be that both of these are true, yet they're set in the same universe. Mm-hmm. Like, which one is it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I severely dislike inconsistencies like that. Mm-hmm. I, it doesn't matter to me when different shows take a different approach to it, but when the same show takes different approaches to it, and both are correct and both actually happen, but they couldn't have. Drives mm-hmm. me nuts. <laughs> and that's Aaron's diatribe for the night. <laughs> yes. I could keep going on that one if you want me to. <laughs> With all that being said, <laughs> we have been going for nearly an hour now, so we should probably wrap things up for our listeners. So, um, do we have any final thoughts? Oh, about time Books travel. You wish we could adapt it into a movie really quick. And McCaffrey's <laughs> turn needs to be a movie, <laughs> and it needs to not be done by the same people who turned Aragon into a movie. Those people need to be taken out back with whip or something. Awesome book, horrible movie. Um, my answer to that, more important than Aaron's answer. No, I'm I'm kidding. <laughs> um, the Codex Alera series by Jim Butcher. Actually, that just needs yeah, be a TV show. Uh, I wish they hadn't. Butcher Dresden. I loved Dresden, so or I love Dresden. I was misreading. Yes. Okay. I, that had potential, but they butchered it. Uh-huh. Um, even Paul Blackthorne couldn't save that, and he isn't uh-huh. up. He he did the role justice. Uh-huh. I think I didn't see much of it, but I do know that he, from what he saw, he really embodied the character pretty well. So. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was near as What sci-fi series is it? There's a miniseries coming to TV really soon. Yeah. It was uh, just a day or two ago. Ah, uh, oh, oh, and I'm looking forward to this one, too. Um. Wasn't the Shannara books that I'm horribly mispronouncing? Because those are on MTV right now, I believe. I think I saw them. There was some other big sci-fi property. They're making a... They're making a mini series of, and I actually was fairly excited about it, and I can't remember the life of me now. Wheel of Time. That was it, yes. That was the one. Mm-hmm. They can well, actually guess... cut a lot of material from the books for that one, though. <laughs> oh my goodness, yes. Like, I... 20,000 pages out of the series just <laughs> gone would be fine. <laughs> um, For me... They can cut like 500 pages per book almost. For me, I think, um, gosh, I'm probably going to get smacked for this one. I really, really love J.D. Robb's books. 
Um, they're written by Nora Roberts, and um, it, it's a little bit more of a mystery feel because it's a police detective. So, I mean, there's a lot of influence into my own books by this series, but I would love to see those made into movies and or uh, TV series. I think they would be just amazing, especially if you could get the CGI right for everything. Um, but I was thinking about it. I just finished reading Leviathan Wake um, over the weekend, and I don't know how they would do it, but if they could make that work, it would be absolutely a phenomenal book to see on the big screen. So, um, but the way that they've described the people that live in the uh, bells, like out around Ceres, uh, beyond uh, Mars, um, you'd have to have some massive CGI budgeting for that to make it work. So, I mean, we're talking Avatar type stuff. So. Oh, you can just do a matte painting and it'll be fine. A what? Well, matte painting, like they did in Star Trek and all the old <laughs> sci-fi series. You have a big paint, have a big painting, you just no. put it there and you superimpose the characters in front of it. No, I'm not talking about that. The way it's they describe it, it's in Star Trek. That's not the way they describe the characters is that the people who live on, who are brought up on Mars and on in the belt and have no. Um, Ha, don't have the gravity that uh, we have on Earth. Oh, okay. um, they're taller. They're skinnier. Their bones are longer. Their facial structures are longer. And I'm like, I'm sitting here going, gotcha. that would be different. That would be hard to do on CGI on as massive scale as they would need to do. So, mm -hmm. so that's what I'm kind of thinking is that it would be hey, amazing. They did it for Star Wars. Hmm? Hey, what they did it for Star Wars. They did. Yeah, with total CGI characters, but these are all supposed to be humans. So. In a big budget. Yeah, it would be very big budget. Yeah. So. so, although I am pretty happy with the adaptation uh, that they did of The Martian. So. I have still not seen that yet. Oh, you have to! You have to go rent it. But it's I on read Red the book yet either. It's at Redbox. I saw I it. At... I haven't even read the book yet. Oh, definitely. Uh, I saw the movie first, and then I read the book. I don't know. I honestly think re watch the movie first and then read the book. Wow. Um, it it gives you much more appreciation for the movie while you're reading the book. Uh, it fills in the holes better, I think. But then you have Matt Damon like talking in your head the whole time, and that's always pleasant. <laughs> so. <laughs> Anyway, last thoughts, last call. Do you have anything else to say on writing? I think we had that two times already. Now. I know, I know. But yeah. We've so, kind of gone down bunny trails, so. So thank you very much for joining us on uh, the rabbit trail episode. <laughs> well, thanks everybody, and we will see you next week. This has been another episode of Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards. Have a question or comment? Email us at lasersdragonskeyboards at gmail.com or send us a tweet at ldkpodcast. Our music is Flight of the Beast, Loop 1 by Jonathan Gear. Lasers, Dragons, and Keyboards is copyrighted under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License. This means if you're not-for-profit and you want to quote us, please be sure that you cite us. 
If you are for profit, please get our permission first. You can find us at lasersdragonsandkeyboards.wordpress.com for detailed show notes, as well as on facebook.com. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you next time. Have fun storming the castle! <laughs>